the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Come Together San Diego, a new live local show on K-Praise designed to explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within our communities and beyond. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it. Now, here is your host, Bible teacher, writer, broadcaster, and lover of God, Kaz Taylor. Hey, hey. <laughs> How you doing, my friend? I guess some people would call it Super Bowl weekend. We call it uh, the weekend that God wants to orchestrate for you and to you and through you. We're excited to see what that looks like, sounds like, and is like. Uh, I'm going to really enjoy this two-hour broadcast because we have one co-host guest for the entire two hours and one that really could actually (laughs) handle the whole two hours himself. If you're familiar with our sister station, uh, uh, The Answer San Diego, this is a guy who does a radio show, uh, Bob, on Sundays. This is Bob Siegel, and he has a show. He's very creative in the name of his show. It's called The Bob Siegel. We, we thought show. long and hard. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I was going the way of most talk shows. They're usually just named after exactly. Host, yeah, so, yeah. But you you could have called it the Rush Limbaugh show or something like that. Yeah, yeah nah. I could have, but that would have been that too. Have uh, worked yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I don't know Bob well. We've met in this, a, a few of the Salem Media Group gatherings, and we and as soon as I started talking with him, sometimes I like to throw a few things in a person's way to see their spiritual depth, and uh, I. I you know, I was talking some Hebrew things, and I was talking some deep biblical things and some news things. Bob was, you know, he would engage me back, and I'd go, wait a minute, I, I, I need to think about that one, Bob, thank you. So <laughs> It's great to be here. It's an honor to be with you, Kaz. Well, you know, because I know of your depth in uh, things that are uh, biblical from cover to cover, I appreciate that. But you're also, you understand what's going on in the news these days. Yeah, and I, you know, um, the news is depressing. My wife hates <laughs> it. She'd rather watch a Hallmark movie. I, I can't blame her, but somebody's got to pay attention to the news. Exactly. And uh, depressing as it is, our rights as Christians and our rights as American citizens, if, if you're out there listening and you're not a Christian, uh, they're being systematically removed one at a time. And mm-hmm. so we have to stand out. Uh, one of the misconceptions people have about the gospel, gospel means good news. And part, part of that, of course, is the good news that Jesus died on the cross to forgive us for our sins. But there was another part of it, getting back to the Hebrew concept of the Messiah, and that was that God came to deliver us from sins committed against us. For example, in heaven, nobody's going to be able to hurt us. And so speaking out against evil, that is part of the gospel, too. And that's a part that sadly gets ignored by the evangelical church. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, Bob Siegel, you're getting a little taste of what we're going to go through. I could just walk away and let him speak for the entire hour and come back to, to close the segments. Anyway, Bob, here's what I'd like to do. If you sure, okay. absolutely. And by the way, why don't you tell us a little bit about your show? And yeah, when that it's broadcast. on uh, Sunday nights from uh, 6 to 7. And if you've missed any of them, you can go to my website. I've been on the air since 2005. The high majority of them are are posted. And the theme is Christianity and its relationship to politics and pop culture. 
So we talk about the Bible. We talk about the news. You'll also hear shows where we do movie reviews. Yeah, I, that's what I, drew, drew me. I mean, there, I mean, there's no paintbrush that you can't use. Yeah, like exactly. That. Because I believe Christianity is integrated with all of life. Well, do you hear that? It, it, Christianity should be integrated in all aspects of life. And that one of the things that I think God is trying to whisper in our ear is going, you've separated uh, your Christianity from the actual day-to-day living, from actual government, from actual uh, health care and everything else. You've separated that. It's time to be integrated because it has to all come with a Christian point of view. Yeah. And, when, and I'm always a little suspicious when I hear Christians say, well, we, I go to a church that doesn't talk about politics. I don't believe churches should talk about politics. What they mean is churches shouldn't talk about political views that I disagree with. That's what they're really saying. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So take a minute. We, we know we have a, a, a eight, 10 or 11 minute segments in this show. Okay, so, that's uh, about similar to mine. Yeah, that's great. So what we're going to do first is I'd like you to take out your, your broad brush, and I want you to do some broad brush strokes about who you are, okay. how you came to know the Lord, okay. how you got into broadcast, okay. and then the next segments we're going to really dig deeply. Right. Bob Siegel. Well, I was raised Jewish, but I was raised as an atheist, which confuses some people. But anybody who knows Judaism knows that just as Christianity has its many different sects, Jews have theirs. Would you, so would you call yourself a Messianic Jew, or do you not even use that I don't term? use that term, but that would accurately describe what I am. And uh, but, it, but when I was uh, growing up, my parents didn't believe in God at all. I heard a lot about Israel. I heard a lot about Zionism. We, we went, went to the temple once in a while, did the holidays— I became on my own an agnostic. The kind there's different kinds of agnostics. I became the kind of agnostic who who believed there was some kind of God. I certainly wouldn't have associated him with the God of the Bible. So being Jewish, it's not just that I didn't believe in the New Testament. You I didn't did. believe in the Old Testament either. <laughs> in in uh, my second year of college, a war broke out in the Middle East. This will date me substantially. This was 1973. Yes, this was the Yom Kippur War when Israel was attacked on Holy Day. And, of course, uh, in one of my English classes, before the professor got in, I was attending San Jose City College at the time, the Bay Area. Uh, We were arguing about who was right in the Middle East, the Jews or the Arabs. And you probably can't guess which side I was on. (laughs) Well, we happened to have a Christian. He was sitting next to me. He had your typical Bible, leather-bound, his name Uh engraved on the front. And he turned to the book of Genesis. He turned to the story of Ishmael. And Isaac. Isaac now, if any of you out there listening, if you're not familiar with that, it is believed that that's is the story of the second Jew and the first Arab. And he said, this is where the Arab-Jewish conflict started. It didn't start after World War II with the United Nations. It started here. Well, I was quite taken aback. And I said to him, do you really believe in the Bible? And, and he wasn't some holy roller no. nutcase, very serene, laid back guy, just talk, comes in. He just says, I believe the Bible is the word of God. I said, everything? I mean, Adam and Eve, Noah's Ark, all those fairy tales? He said, yes. Well, he really had my curiosity going. I said, well, how do you know it's the word of God? How do you know it wasn't just written by people? He said, I know because I have a personal relationship with God. Oh, my. I said, oh, you mean you pray to God? Well, so do I. And again, as an agnostic, I was. He says, I don't just mean that. I mean that God talks to me just like he talked to Abraham, just like he talked to Moses. So I'm sitting there going, okay, either this guy should be in a padded cell or he's made the greatest accomplishment of all time. But he certainly had my curiosity going. So I said to him, well, just for argument's sake, 
If I also wanted to have the kind of relationship with God where he speaks to me, what would I need to do? Uh, and he squirmed in his seat for a moment. He goes, well, uh, actually, the way is through Jesus. Well, it turned deathly silent that night in my bedroom, and I was a commuter student living at home with my parents. I made this prayer. I said, God, I am almost 20 years old, uh-huh. and a little Sunday schooler in church knows more about Jesus than I do because it's been forbidden knowledge all my life. And yet now I'm being told that the only way I can have a relationship with you is through Jesus, but I know nothing about him. I said, if it's really possible to have a relationship with you through Jesus, show me. The next day I was sitting out on the grass by my college campus drinking a Coca-Cola. Two Christians who I'd never met before, they had no idea who I was, they just plopped down and they shared with me how to have a relationship with Christ. Yes. When they, they didn't say anything persuasive, but we had a long talk. First, I was thinking, wow, this is a coincidence. I was just praying about this. When they left, I had this experience from head to toe. It bombarded me. I was very aware that some living presence from outside of myself was making contact. I realized right away that this was the Spirit of Christ or the Holy Spirit that they were talking about. And I gave my life to Christ. Hallelujah. <laughs> my, my. Well, you know, Bob, I guess you can tell my friends that uh, Bob is an outspoken guy. And one of the things that he said I want to share with you, because as we go through this broadcast, uh, this two-hour broadcast, you are going to have some opportunities to go to question things just like he did. And one of the things we think, if we're not believers, we go, uh, if if we receive the Lord, we have to believe everything that it says without even questioning it. Bob is still a questioner. He still is a questioner. In fact, that's one of the things that makes him one of God's favorites is because he asks impertinent questions sometimes, but he expects an answer. And God has given him the good book to say, I'll tell you part of it ear to ear, heart to heart. The rest of it, I want you to dig out in scripture. And he does that. My listening friend, we hope this uh, broadcast today is going to inspire you. If, if we, if Bob starts talking about some things that may test you and push you a little bit, the scripture says, receive all things with readiness of mind and then search the scripture daily to see if these things are so. So Bob and I are going to press the envelope a little bit in this show. Are you willing to do that, Bob? Absolutely. And, <laughs> and questions are fair. I mean, we're telling people that if they don't give their lives to Christ, they're not going to heaven. I know I, I always say it more tactfully than that, but that is the bottom line. Maybe not always that more tactfully. And, and yet if somebody says, well, okay, I, I don't want to go to hell, but how do I know this is true? I don't want to spend my life blindly following some fantasy either. And what do most Christians do? They say, oh, well, you have to take it by faith. Well, yeah. those questions are fair. And why should somebody follow something that isn't true? Exactly. There are ways to show people that this is true. Yes. And my friend, I, I guess you get a sense from, from Bob that we're going to have some dynamic dynamite dunamis on this con- conversation uh, in this hour and actually two hours for Come Together San Diego. We've uh, we warmed you up to uh, Bob Siegel and he has a show on Sundays, the Bob Siegel show on our sister station, The Answer San Diego. Now, in the next segment, we're going to play what I would call Toss the Topic. <laughs> and I'm going to, we're going to toss a few topics back and forth, and we're going to talk about them. They're going to have to do with government. They're going to have to do with what's going on in the government, impeachment-related things. We're going to talk about election things, but we're going to go beyond that, too. I mean, there's viruses going on across the world, and uh, there's, uh, you know, uh, Iran and the issues that are going on there, Iraq and uh, elections and other things in Israel. Uh, any topic that Holy Spirit stirs, we're going to kind of delve into them. Bob, are you game for that? Absolutely. Guess what, my friend, Bob Siegel and I. I will be right back. 
This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Welcome back. I kind of like to sing to the songs that they play during the opens and closes. <laughs> We're going to have some fun. In fact, we've already started. If you weren't here for the first segment, you missed it. You have to check it in the archives or the podcasts. Anyway, you know, we're talking about uh, God stuff. We're also talking about uh, news stuff and even fake news stuff. And, you know, I like to look and see at the broad picture what the enemy has been doing is since uh, uh, he intended to uh, take over the earth from, from Adam and uh, from that point forward. You know, and one of the tactics that the enemy of godliness uses, and you will recognize this, is to come up with names, knowing that a name or a title carries a great deal of weight. So they may name something or title something that actually poses just the opposite of the end results. For example, the world is proclaiming the value of one world government. Now, in a real, very real sense, God also desires one world government, but it's the one world government where he's the king and we're the, the subjects and uh, we have prosperity and fruitfulness as a result from the one world government from the earth and the earthlings that uh, want to do it themselves. It really means uh, one group of people who are lording it over other people and all the people underneath are uh, subjected to the will and whim of those on the upper echelon. And oftentimes money plays a gigantic role in this. Bob Siegel, I know this is something that's dear to your heart. You've looked through this and the one world government mentality versus God's plan for being the king. Well, yeah. Of, I mean, talk about it. When was the last time we had a one world government? Ancient Rome. How did that work out for the people living under the Romans. Exactly. And it's, let me, let me yes. interject here. The other piece of the equation is another person desired to have a one world government. His name was Hitler. And how did that work out? Yeah. And well, and he, and he called it the third Reich. He was even naming it after the Roman. When you think of the third Reich, Rome was considered the first Reich, Holy Germany in the middle ages, the second Reich. And then Hitler's oh my. was the third. So <laughs> uh, it, it is very interesting. See the thing, human beings, you look at human beings, our technology is evolving. I mean, we see more technological revolution in 20 years now than what used to take like 4,000 years. But the wisdom, the human nature, that is not evolving with it. Contrary to what humanists and evolutionists will say, the last time human beings uh, tried a a one-world government, if you want to go to times even more ancient than Rome, was the Tower of Babel. I knew you were going there. And what what was very interesting is God said, nothing they try to do will be impossible for them. Well, that shouldn't surprise us because we're made in the image of God and there's nothing impossible with God, at least nothing intrinsically possible. I think he meant as a collective species. But the problem was that whereas uh, that would not have been an issue if Adam and Eve, the first human beings, hadn't fallen into sin with a sinful nature, God does not want us to have that much power. We get our sin redeemed. When we get back to heaven someday, he'll want us to have power again, always subservient to his, of course. But with our sinful nature, that much power is just never, ever a good idea. So when people talk about letting the government take over our lives, it's, it's not good for any country. And it's certainly not good for the world. The good news is we were talking before the show went on the air about things like Brexit. 
There are people starting to leave the European Union, mm-hmm. and that's good because someday, we don't know when, someday prior to Christ returning, a man known as the Antichrist is going to have a one-world government. Yes. And I'm in no hurry to speed that along. Yes. You know, one of the, Bob, one of the things that troubles me, and that is a lot of the things that the one-world government mentality proclaims are things politically that maybe even 50% of America embraces I, or, 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 or foreign countries even maybe even more so. At, at least 50%. It, it troubles me. It troubles me. And because certainly it's being taught at our universities. It's being espoused by millennials. And let me also say this, my listening friend, are you paying attention? Not only in the universities, but also the churches. Oh, there are all kinds of, and, I, and I'm not even talking about the liberal churches. They no. went off the cliff years ago. The evangelical churches are starting to compromise. Well, but I, I think this is the time. Not all of them, but many but, of but them. But I, I believe this is the time where God's saying, it's time to wake up. Parishioners, it's time to wake up. Pastors, it's time to wake up. Because the enemy has has uh, used his dialogue to deceive us and sometimes we can fall fall for a lie it troubles my heart dearly uh, and i we're going to talk in the next segments we're going to talk about some of the specific elements like uh, we'll talk maybe about uh the right to life versus abortion uh and uh, uh global warming versus uh, 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 man-made global warming. Yeah. All these. Di- we'll talk about some well, of those it's things. It's very as well. important because whether or not God allows judgment or spares judgment on America is really going to depend on what the church does, yeah, not I, what Washington does, <laughs> what the church does. And we better wake up and be real sensitive to what God wants us to do. Absolutely. And my listening friend. Part of this is a call to all of us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But part of this is a call to those of us who are in the pastorate or in leadership, because a lot of people listen to the words that we say, and it's it's our obligation to make sure we're saying the godly, pure word instead of a word that is mingled a little bit with uh, uh, Scripture and a little bit with what we think Scripture should be. Danger, danger. And pastors, the Bible says that you— Teachers in the church will be judged with greater strictness. So you watched, and I'm saying this as one yeah. who is a pastor myself. I, <laughs> I take pause at that when I reflect on my own life. Uh, God will hold us accountable even more because we are teaching others. Yes, yes. And maybe we're going to, as we talk about this, Bob and I, <clears throat> my listening friend, whether you're a pastor or you're a parishioner, there may be some nuggets and some clues here that will help you dig into some specific things. But right now we're talking about the difference between the world's mentality for a one world government and God's strategy for a one world government under his tutelage. And uh, Bob Siegel was talking about, we will have authority, but we'll be under God's tutelage. And uh, he's going to give a, you know, he's going to give believers a lot of freedom if we uh, have our hearts to pursue him. But, it's also, you know, up in the up in the days of Satan in the heavenlies, Satan had a lot of freedom as well until he said, I want to be like the Most High. I want to sit in, in the, uh, you know, on the mountain in the sides of the north. All these different things that Satan said, I, I don't want to be underneath your directive, God. I want to be parallel to it. That's our one of our big dangers, isn't yes, it? Yes, and Satan loves to replicate that sin. He loves to see human beings act toward God in a similar fashion. Wow, wow, wow. My listening friend, my pastor friend, it's very imperative right now, especially with times bubbling like they are, to be able to step back and ask ourselves, uh, you know, in our church environment, in our church setting, is this more of a setting where I'm the boss and the parishioners are underneath me, or is it more like God would do with us, and that is say, I want you to come alongside me and let's do this thing together. That's always been God's plan. So if our mentality is I'm the boss 
you know, and and you're the uh, people that do my calling and my bidding. There's a danger there, but I know my listening friends. This is something that God has challenged you and I with all along. So it's time to pay close attention, isn't it? Yes, it is. We're living in very precarious times, and this next election will determine the the fate of our country. Really, we oh. we, we, we will not survive. If uh, and I believe me, I don't have any great love for either political party. I'm an independent, yes. but uh, the Democrats have gone so much off the deep end. If they win this presidency and the and uh, retain control of the House and maybe take the Senate, we will no longer be the United States of America. We'll be called the United yes. States of America, but we won't be a republic anymore. At the most, we'll be an oligarchy. At the best, we'll be a dictatorship. So as an independent, let me pose this question to you, and I want your in- input. We have about three or four minutes left in this segment, Bob. Having an R or a D by your name is not as important as uh, having Jesus in your heart. That is correct. So, so one, of, one of the things that we need to do is take, let's say there's a different measures that you're going to be voting on or different candidates you're going to be voting on. You, you, know, you know who they are by what they do. Absolutely. And, and so if dependent doesn't make a difference whether the Republican or the Democrat or whether you call them a conservative issue or a measure or a more uh, more progressive one, if you look at the bulk of the content of that measure or the words that a, that a candidate is saying, you can discern who they are by digging deeply into their character yes, and then I, vote I, accordingly. I should qualify that a little bit. Philosophically, I'm more in line with the Republicans because they're yes. for smaller government. But my problem with the Republicans is they don't live up to it. <laughs> Bob Siegel, Political Philosophy 101, is the biggest problem with Republicans is they don't keep their promises. The biggest problem with Democrats is they do keep their promises, <laughs> but they're hideous promises. Now, I will say, Donald Trump, who was a wild card, is keeping his promises probably more than any president in our history. My, my. And yet he's green around the gills. He speaks without a filter. Christians need to get over that and say, so so what? We're not electing Jesus Christ as president. That's right. That's right. Uh, he has done more for Christian rights and Christian freedom and for pro-life, which we're going to talk about. Uh, so that's where I am right now. I, and I, 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 used, I couldn't, used to be I couldn't stand Trump, but I, I'm really in his corner now because he's doing, he's doing what, what he, he promised he's he'd do. do. Yes, my friends, I, I guess you can tell that Bob Siegel is an outspoken believer in the oh, Lord. People but, always have to shake me to get an opinion out of me. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Maybe shake him to silence him a little bit, but I haven't reached over yet. And I don't <laughs> intend yet. to do that. My listening friend, Bob talked about, we talked a little bit about people naming different things uh to have a political advantage, but the end results may be far from what the declaration is. We're going to talk a little bit about that in the next segment. Uh, Bob talked a little bit about uh, the abortion issue in the march, the, the march uh, for, life for life that happened in Washington, D.C. weeks ago. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. And also the, the part that God has Donald Trump playing in this. And if you're a person that's not a Trump lover, when you look at the works that he's doing and you believe in what Scripture says about these things, you might have, want to rethink that. And we're going to, Bob, you mind talking about that yeah, in the next we, segment? I do. They've got to separate Trump's personality from <laughs> his policies. It's <laughs> that simple. We're going to do a little separation, uh, but not a separation of church and state. We're going to do a separation of uh, spirit and soul and soul and body. Here in the next segment, Bob uh, Siegel and I will be right back. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego. 
on KPRAX. Hello, San Diego. This is Rick Sines from uh, Red Seal Ministries. I just bless you and ask you just to receive the love of the Lord at this time, uh, this open season we have in San Diego. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on KPRAX. Here's Cass Taylor. Hey, my friends. Welcome back. My special co-host and guest for this entire two hours is a guy who is the host of the Bob Siegel Show on The Answer San Diego. I bet you can't figure out his name. <laughs> Starts uh, with a B, ends with a B. <laughs> Bob Siegel. We're having some fun digging into things. One of the things I really like about Bob is uh, he, he knows stuff. He knows. So, uh, uh, well, you seem pretty knowledgeable yourself. <laughs> so we are having fun digging into stuff. You know, Bob and I, in the last segment, we talked about how names of different things can be confusing. But Bob Siegel's show and Bob Siegel are not that confusing. They make total sense. <laughs> but here's something that doesn't make sense. When you call something the right, uh, uh, the right, uh, you know, uh, of, a, of a right to a woman's choice, freedom of choice for a woman, that sounds really, really good. But then you compare that with pro-life, they both sound very appealing. But when you dig more deeply into different definitions, you realize one has everything to do with eliminating life from the womb, and the other one has everything to do with saving life from the womb. Uh, We're going to talk about that as we knit together an event that just happened uh, just a very short days ago, actually. It was called the March for Life uh, in Washington, D.C. Why don't you bring us up to speed on that and what yeah, your thoughts well, are? Well, it was a phenomenal event, and it was the first time that a pro-life president actually attended the rally. I believe others have been there on video. And two of the major networks, not the cable, the major news networks that a lot of those baby boomers grew up on, gave it zero coverage. One of it gave it, I believe, it was somewhere between 30 to 60 seconds of coverage. I, I wish I could say that that surprised me. But you know, Kaz, you're talking about the changing of words. Uh, George Orwell wrote the brilliant novel 1984. And even though we're past 1984, everything, and I mean everything that he predicted is happening. And one of the most chilling things he said is that we were going to rewrite history. Mm-hmm. We see that happening now with America, with Israel. People have rewritten the history of Israel. But also, he said we would change our words to nullify the effects of our actions. The term pro-life was here first. Yeah. In reaction, what were people going to do? Say women's pro- right to, exactly. Yeah, not, they're not, not going to say, well, we're the pro-death party, so no. they said pro-choice. Well, or women's right to choose. And, but they don't really believe in that choice. That's what's really interesting about it. You talk to a lot of pro-choice people, and they say they want to see it the way it is in China, where the government decides how many children are allowed to have. Choice is just... A convenient word. It's bumpkin for the masses. What they really are is pro-abortion. I don't mean every single person that no. believes it, but I mean the people at the top that are disseminating this information out. Sure. And if you actually did a study on this, you would realize that the name, uh, you know, a woman's right to choose is really a, a mask. And some people innocently follow that mask without understanding what's beneath the mask and beneath the mask is the jeopardy and killing of innocence called babies. You know, a number of years ago at Oregon State University, I was out there for a week doing evangelism, so I was a guest on the college campus radio station with an undergrad woman hosting, and she was giving me these quick questions where I could only have soundbite answers, which I I don't like the age of soundbites. However, 
I had to have one. And so she says, quickly, what is your opinion of abortion? And I said, I believe in the rights of all women, including baby women. And she just kind of went, and she moved right on to the next question. Oh, my, my, my. My listening friend, it's dangerous for us to just take words at what we think that they mean without digging more deeply. And we talk about this, about discerning other people as well. You know them by their works. Uh, by their works, you shall know them. And so th- this is one of the things that we have to do. You're going to hear a lot of different things. You're going to hear the right of uh, uh, woman's right to choose versus, you know, pro-life. You're going to hear things like climate change versus man-made climate change. And sometimes it's hard to discern between those things. You're going to hear things about one world government versus God's plans for one world under him government. So, so I mean, it's really easy if you're not paying attention to fall prey to the wrong uh, words. And then when it's a little bit too late, you go, oh, I misunderstood that. Yeah. And 30, 40 years ago, somebody might say, I'm not sure at what point life in the womb is life. But that's been no absolutely established as life. And it's no longer even abortion, even for those who say, well, I accept abortion, but I don't accept infanticide. The Democratic Party is starting to accept infanticide. In Virginia, they were going to come out with a law. They, it didn't pass, thank goodness, yes. although one very similar to it did pass in New York. But Governor Northam was defending it, and the casual Nonchalant way, they said, well, what if a baby's born late? It was meant to be a late-term abortion, but somehow the baby survives the abortion and lives. He goes, well, then it would be up to the mother. And he's getting a lot of flack. He goes, oh, no, no, no. Let me qualify it. We would keep the baby comfortable. Then we would have a conversation. I'm listening to this. I'm going, oh, oh, thank God you're going to keep the baby comfortable. For a moment there, you had me. You're going to keep it comfortable before you kill it? Yeah. This is the kind of stuff the Romans did. If the Romans had a baby they didn't want, they put it out in the garbage dumps. We are 2,000 years later, we're doing what the Romans did. My, that's a, what an astute observation. My, my listening friend, here's the deal. Here's the deal. You know, what somebody else tells you uh, and what you have to give an account for yourself before the Lord are two totally different things. You're accountable for your actions regardless of what anybody else has told you. That, that goes for... Uh, a minister of God, or it goes for somebody who's trying to deceive you, you're still responsible for for your decisions. And so with you realizing that obligation is before you and your maker, when you come face to face with him, you need to, number one, obviously have the buffer called Jesus Christ to say, I, I, Jesus died for my sins. You're, you're covered. Thank you. But there's also some a level of accountability that we have to have as we go into those things saying, I'm gonna, I, I have to stand for what the scripture says, what Jesus says, what his Holy Spirit says, and not what a pastor told me. Not what a, a person that had ulterior motives against me says. Ultimately, it's your decision. So what would you say to those people that have that revelation, Bob, right now that they have to make their own decision? Where do they find the answers? Well, it's important for people to study the Bible. And the Bible tells us, that it's interesting because the Bible <clears throat> tells us that we need teachers, but it also says you don't need anyone to teach you. And that's not a contradiction When we first become Christians, we don't know where to go to the Bible to learn about the Trinity or this or that. So we need somebody to teach. But if we ask questions, if we say to our pastors or Bible study leaders, where do you read this in the Scripture? And we Mm -hmm. go home and we look it up in context. Uh, You may not be qualified to be a teacher of the Bible, but you can at least be 
a student of the Bible. I like to draw an analogy there, Bob, about training wheels. You know, the analogy, too, relates to the letter of the law versus the spirit behind the letter of the law. But in a very real sense, teachers of the Scripture, they're obligated to teach you about these things. It's kind of like giving you the training wheels and say, here are the Scriptures and here where you go and here's what it means. But there's a juncture where we have to have the maturity to go, I can do this bicycle without the training wheels. The danger in today's church sometimes is that people love keeping the training wheels when they should be far beyond that. And, and quite frankly, pastors have a responsibility to train their people better. They, well, they, they do. And I think the, the light, uh, I, I have such a heart, and I know you do, for the pastorate, uh, not only in San Diego, but globally. And the challenge sometimes is, um, when do you release these people to, to do God's own thing? And it really probably needs to be sooner than later. Well, and frankly, if the pastor really did his job training people, others would be leading Bible studies. Others would be qualified to preach. And sometimes the board of directors would think the pastor is not doing his job because they expect him to be up doing it all, when actually he may be doing his job very, very well. Th- what, what usually happens to a church, Kaz, when a pastor leaves? We have this search committee. Uh, it could take years. Sometimes the church views itself as being on hold or suspended animation. It's almost as if the entire body of Christ got up the door and walked out with the pastor, but we're all supposed to be the body well, of Christ. The good. only place the word minister is used in the New Testament is when it's referring to everybody in the church. Now, one kind of ministry is pastoring, but the pastor's job is to teach us what our spiritual gifts are, disciple us, and train up leaders. Yes, and you know, I, I have to give high accolades to many of the pastors I know, because this is their vision. The, the, you know, it's a delicate balance, because the, a lot of the pastors I know is their vision to train up a person the way they should go, and when they are older, they shall not depart from it. That's fine, but there are a lot of people that have been in the or or uh, listening and kind of being, you know, just entrusting the Lord to, through the pastor to tell them what to do. And it's time for those training wheels to be taken away. And sometimes it's very difficult for a pastor to say, you're mature enough. You know, I trained you. I instructed you in these things. Fly, little butterfly. Fly. Absolutely. So uh, I really uh, I really have a heart for pastors, and I see in San Diego County, pastors are really come together to unify horizontally with one another. But what this means is the believers find an un- unexperienced freedom as well. And pastors, my friend, it's, it's really challenging sometimes for pastors to go, the way I used to do it can't be the way I do it now. This is God's plan is to expand his church and the training that I did on these people, and I need to kind of let go. And some of these people just may legitimately go somewhere else, maybe called to a mission or called to empower another pastor, another church. But, you know, if you've done your job right, you know that God is going to add to you as well. This is, it, we're in a very <clears throat> p- pivotal time. Yeah, my, my heart goes out to pastors and they need to have their needs met too. They need to be places they can confess their sins honestly, where they can be holding themselves accountable. Yes. We don't see that. Well, and I, and I, I, I always try to take the position uh, to, to Im- embrace the pastors as well. And I think pastors and uh, the other leaders in the church and parishioners, we're all coming into a level of accountability like we've never come before. 
So, and, and, and somebody who has to get it early is a pastor who's been embedding these truths with us. Yeah. We have to talk about this in the next It's like in the army, you go on field maneuvers to prepare for the battle. Yes. We may have persecution around the corner. Oh, and we're going to talk some more about that and other things. Uh, so my listening friend, I, I know that you're uh, enamored by the, the topic and uh, it's ringing a bunch of bells in your heart and mind and soul. So uh, Bob Siegel and I will talk about this when we come right back. More Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor is next. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Well, I'm back with the Salem Media Group San Diego's The Answer Radio Show host, Bob Siegel of the Bob Siegel Show. You know, Bob, one of the biggest dangers I find with believers, but but also even with leaders, and 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 that is we tend to or we can fall prey to things that sound religious and holy, uh, but they're just the opposite. And you know, one of the things that was coming to my mind, you talk about being fit for the kingdom of God. There's also a, a tendency or a danger in becoming a counterfeit. That is correct. And so we want to talk a little bit about this. You know, one of the things that comes to mind right now, we talked about the difference between a woman's right to choose versus pro-life. And they're couched in very appealing phraseology. But the truth of the matter is, it's preserving the life of an unborn versus not. That's really the bottom line. Well, yeah. And look at what happens when somebody goes outside an abortion clinic and they show a picture of the unborn fetus. People just go ballistic. Well, if it's really a bunch of tissue, what are you getting yourself all worked up over? It's because it clearly is a baby. And even if it was so early on in the early trimester that it didn't yet look like a baby, isn't that supposed to be a form of bigotry deciding how alive something exactly. is based on what it looks like? Exactly. Is and that I, any different yeah. than people uh, looking at the slaves and saying they're subhuman beings because they don't share my skin color? My, my, my. We're going to change the gears just a little bit, but the same theme is going to deal with it. We're going to deal with here. The, the terminology that uh, liberals use or progressives use is... Uh, uh, Global warming. And when really, what really, you know, the the real topic is man-made global warming versus global warming. There's there's a natural thing that happens. The, the evolution, evolution is the wrong word to use in, in a Christian. The cycles. Cycle. But the, the cycles. The weather cycles. Uh, weather cycles, they ebb and flow. Hot and cold and things like that, they they flow. And if you look at the big chart, you know, you, you realize that there is warming and cooling, but it's not man-made. And, and so the people that want to capture us and take our money. For example, the rich nations, we are, we're supposed to be involved in this global warming uh, protocol where we have to make our money available to help the poor yeah. countries. This is all one world government it, mentality. It's, it's, it's very it's, deceptive. It's, it's, very dangerous. it's a Trojan horse for the government to take more control over our lives. And whereas we are in a warming trend right now, you could look back to the times of ancient Rome and they were on a warming trend back then. It, it's cyclical. It goes up. It goes down. And you always hear that 90% of, or more than 90% of scientists are on board. More than 90% of scientists believe that the world is warming. But if you ask those same scientists how many of them believe that human beings are responsible for it, you get a whole different answer. Yes. And, we, and also, they change the terminology. When we have a real cold winter, they don't use the term global warming. They use the term 
climate change. One of my favorite stories, this was back in 2008. They were going to have a global warming rally outdoors in Australia. They had to cancel it because it was too cold outside. <laughs> <laughs> and so they had to change the verbiage. They'll change. They'll change it. One thing about the climate, it's always changing. It's a very safe term to use. And I like to ask people who believe that there was an ice age. How did that ice age melt without human emissions? <laughs> That's a good point. You know, my listening friend, we're, we're talking about how definitions can can uh, uh, influence some people negatively. From a global warming standpoint, the strategy behind that, we go back to a term we used in the first uh, or second segment of the show, one world government. How, do, how does uh, government get control of a of a nation, how do they get control of a people group by telling them that they are, they're responsible for terrible weather, for example. So that means you have to join the, the international uh, climate uh, pro- prognosticators and we have to give the money from the wealthy nations to the poor nations. It's all a way to control money and yeah. control people. And, and it never stops. Now they're saying we should have less babies. Now they're, they're saying that we can't eat hamburgers, we can't use <laughs> yeah. plastic bottles or something. Think about this. We had a governor in Virginia that was justifying not abortion, but infanticide. That doesn't concern people. Somebody wants to use a straw, that concerns my, them. My. I, I came across an article. I, I've fallen in love with a publication. It's called The Epic Times. Have you, are you familiar with I've that? I've heard of it. I have not you, read it. You need to dig into it because they really do a well-balanced uh, and they're kind of blowing the socks off of some of the other more traditional uh, newspapers around the United States and beyond. But there was a, a an article on September 24th, 2019. Uh, it's a letter uh, to the U.N. by the scientists of the of around the globe that there is no climate change emergency. I'm just going to read one paragraph of this to you, my listening friend. And now pay close attention to this. We're not saying it's not prudent to be wise with the way you deal uh, in, in your env- environment. No question about that that, but to say that the most dangerous thing in all the earth is climate change, so you need to get on board with this, and that takes the autonomy away from individual nations and puts it in a global power. It's like an acorn fell on your head and we're being told the sky is falling. (laughs) Let me read to you this this paragraph uh, of a letter from uh, to the United Nations from uh, a group of scientists. It says, a group of, and here's the article, it says, a group of scientists and professionals in climate and related fields sent a letter to the United Nations on September 23rd, uh, 2019, <clears throat> and the letter was sent by the Secretary General Antonio Guterres, uh, who sent uh, to him, it states, uh, therefore it is cruel as well as imprudent, imprudent to advocate uh, squandering trillions of dollars on the basis of the results of such immature models as the models that are used in the climate change. It says the the letter was signed by uh, a number of prominent scientists and professionals from related fields. And and the whole idea is there is no climate change emergency. The general circulation models of climate of the climate of which the international policy uh, are out there are really unfit for the purpose that they serve. And so there's... In, in the article, it says that uh, Berkowitz, who's the, one of the guys who led the research, and these are uh, acknowledged scientists across the globe. He says they'll have a, a list of 500 signatories uh, that will ag- agree with this. But you never hear this in the news. No, of course not. And so, but see, the whole the, the, one of the underpinnings of a one world government is you got to have something to you leverage. You have to create a crisis. You have to create a crisis, and this leverage of uh, uh, climate change is the 
underpinning to be able to do that. My friend, be aware what's going on in the world today. Beware. Yeah, like I said, it, it's really a Trojan horse. It's an excuse for the government to take over. And even if it was all true, is anything we do going to make a hill of beans of, of difference <laughs> when China is the most exactly. dangerous or India, pollutant in or the India. world? Yeah, they're not paying attention to any of this. So what's being accomplished other than the government intruding it on? This uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez wants every single house refit. I mean, when you listen to that woman talk, and, and people are taking her seriously, but none of that's going to make any difference to a lot of other countries in the world. So what are we busting our chops over? That's and that's right. even assuming it was all true. Yeah, and that's exactly right. My listening friend, here's the deal. You are accountable, yes. You're responsible, yes. But you're not responsible so much to other individuals and governments who tell you what to do. Ultimately, you're responsible to your creator. The best way to get to know what that responsibility entails is not only to get to know him intimately, but also get to know his word. And when you do this, uh, vigilantly, you will be able to discern that which is right and that which is wrong. Because number one, Jesus through Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. And number two, he's given you written dialogue to communicate as well. Well, there are some people who believe the environment is more important than human beings. They believe, I, I talked to a guy that believed rocks had a right to life. There's an old saying, when a person stops believing in God, he'll start believing in anything. Oh, my, my. My listening friend, uh, provocative words from Bob Siegel of The Bob Siegel Show uh, on The Answer, uh, San Diego. We're going to, he and uh, Kaz with KPRZ, K-Praise in San Diego, sister stations uh, in the Salem Media Group, San Diego. We're going to talk more about this. But, you know, there's an element where people say when you're in company with another person, we can have a conversation, but do not, do not, do not talk about politics. Do not talk about religion. Well, Bob Siegel and I have blown that out of the water, and we're not going to stop. The class I teach on Sundays at Skyling is called Forbidden Table Talk. The, the topics that you bring up at the dinner table and someone says, can we not talk about this at the table? So religion and politics. Well, we're going to bring those to the table when Bob Siegel and I come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. KPRZ, San Marcos, Poway, and K29CR, Encinitas, FM 106.1, North County, AM 1210, San Diego, KPraise. I'll tell the world, world, world. Come together, San Diego, with Cash Taylor on FM 106.1 and AM 1210, KPraise. I'll tell the world, world, world. Hey, my friends, welcome to the second hour of Come Together, San Diego. I'm back. With Bob Siegel, uh, the answer, San Diego. He's on the sister station. It's called KCBQ, which is right across the hall. Which is right across the the hall, and it's called uh, the Answer, San Diego. And he broadcasts. He's an expert in politics, and he's an expert in Bible history. He's a a a Jew who has come to have an intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ as well. So it's wonderful to get some insights from him. So I've been. Tossing little nuggets to him, see what he does with them. He's remarkable. I appreciate that. You know, we're talking about the the use of different terms and things like that, and how they can be uh, deceiving. Our obligation is to dig. The, the scripture says to study yourself approved. A workman does not need to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. So you know, there's there's a debate right now, and you're going to see it in the elections. It's uh, called democratic socialism versus those who are embracing and recommending 
recommending the maintenance and uh, intimate relationship with or return to Judeo-Christian values for America. And so, you know, those who are democratic socialists, they minimize the value of what they would call religion and Judeo-Christian values. And they say socialism is the key and it's democratic socialism. So it's not like other socialisms, uh, but there's some, some maladies in that. Uh, you want to well, talk yeah, about those just a minute? First of all, the word democratic, just because the word democratic is being tossed around or even the word republic, uh, those words are more neutral than we think. I, uh, Iran calls itself a republic. Mm-hmm. China calls itself a republic. The Soviet Union, the former Soviet Union, was called the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. Hamas was elected by the Palestinians by democracy. Mm-hmm. So don't let those words show you. And the Democratic Party right now, it's no longer the party of FDR. I mean, they had a stained history from the beginning. But I, I, they got a little better under the FDRs and the Kennedys. That party does not exist. I mean, it's a big debate amongst the Democrats. A lot of the so-called moderate Democrats, they're, they're scared to death that Bernie Sanders will get the nomination mm-hmm. because they know a socialist is not going to win when the economy's doing so well. But they're not really afraid of socialism. They just don't want somebody running who calls himself a socialist. Obama was a socialist, too. He was just smart enough not to use the word. (laughs) So it gets back again to George Orwell. It gets back again to us changing our words. There's no difference between a democratic socialist and a regular, honest-to-goodness, diehard socialist. It's the same (laughs) serial. It's just in a different box. Okay, Webster Dictionary Answer Man, Bob Siegel, I'm going to ask you a question. Help us understand the definition. Uh, How do you define the word socialism, Bob Siegel? Socialism is a belief that the government should be in charge of at least a good deal of the economy. And therefore our lives. Yeah, and less private sector. Communism's very similar, but it's just up a higher notch when there's zero private sector. And what people love to do is they love to point to Sweden and they talk about how socialism works there. They only have a small amount of socialism in Sweden. It's embedded with a lot of free enterprise. If you want to look at something that was pure socialism, take a look at Venezuela and see how well that worked for everybody. Absolutely. Now, Mr. Webster Dictionary answer, man. <laughs> I wish I was really Mr. All These Things you're well, attributing yeah, well, to I, I esteem you highly. How would you define a, a very brief definition of uh, Judeo-Christian values? Judeo-Christian values are the belief that, at least in America, that our Constitution was to a large degree based upon the Bible. And they like to say, well, we had forefathers who weren't Christians. Uh, Thomas Jefferson and Ben Franklin, they people like to call them deists. Actually, what a deist is today and what a deist was back then are two different things. Yes. Today, a deist is somebody who doesn't, who believes there's a God, but that he's not involved. I thought in it was a person affairs. who only got D's in school. <laughs> there, that too. It might be true. But uh, Ben Franklin and, and Thomas Jefferson entreated God in Providence a lot. And by doing that, they were talking about a God who got involved. A deist back in those days was more or less somebody who didn't accept the Trinity. Those guys probably wouldn't pass an evangelical litmus test, but they had a high respect for Christianity, a high respect for the Bible, and they did not believe our republic could remain free and benevolent without the Christian influence. So whether or not you think they were a pure Christian in their heart, 
It's irrelevant. They respected Christianity. And of course, Judeo-Christians, because the Old Testament comes from the Jews. And actually, with the exception of Luke, the New Testament comes from the Jews. You know, one of the things that I find, Bob Siegel, and that is a lot of times those who are the progressive left, for example, they will redefine socialism and they'll use scripture to defend their position. Let me give you a scripture that if I were them, here's what I would use. And then my reply. And then I want you to speak to that. You know, in the book of Acts. The Acts chapter 2, it's talking about the birthing of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remarkable, remarkable, remarkable. Now, uh, progressives will take that scripture and say, there, there, there's a scripture in the book of Acts chapter 2 that you guys love, and it says, and they had all things in common. In other words, there was no person who had more than they needed, and there was no person who had less than they needed. They had all things in common, so they shared with one another. And they say, see, even the Bible proposes socialism. But one of the things that they do not say, and I want your intake on this, one of the things that they don't say is it's not a government mandated giving one to another. It is if you do not work, neither should you eat. That changes the whole rules. Socialism that they're saying is let the government do this and let the government control you. Want to speak to that? God always encourages generosity. Let me say this as carefully as I can. God has no problem whatsoever with voluntary wealth redistribution. He has a tremendous (laughs) problem with mandatory wealth redistribution, because to do that, you have to steal from one person, give it to another. And one of the first commandments God gave was thou shalt not steal. I mean, you go back early in Acts, by the time you get to the fifth chapter, Ananias and Sapphira, here's another story people try to hijack because they lied about how much money they gave the church. They sold their home. They acted like they gave all the money to the church. They held some back. Peter said, why did you lie to the Holy Spirit? They didn't get away with it. But he says something that people don't catch. He says, you could have given or kept whatever, whatever you, you wanted. wanted. Yes. Just don't, don't lie. lie. The I, sin wow. was not that they didn't give up all their wealth. <laughs> the sin was that they lied. So people hijack these verses. You take the Bible out of context, you could make it say anything. Absolutely. In fact, uh, that's what uh, Satan did. That's what Satan did at the very beginning. Has God said? He, he asks Eve, you know, has God really said? Well, Satan's great at quoting scripture well, out of context. But look at the, the political arena. That, that you know, I, I, it bugs me, and I'm not going to name names. Maybe I might name Aunt Nancy Pernolosi. It's okay, Kaz. I'll, sure. name, I'll name the names not, so that sure. you don't get in trouble but if you But when want. you say, I will be praying for you, President Trump, I'm praying for you. Yeah. I can hardly contain myself. I can hardly contain myself because one person uses it as a, a bludgeoning tool, and another person uses it for health and healing. Well, yeah, you're referring to Nancy Pelosi. I'll say it. I who don't care. Who's that again? I'll get into trouble for uh, and and what's what's so disingenuous is whenever you talk about abortion, what do you always hear from the Democrats? Oh, personally, personally, I'm against abortion, but but we have to keep church and state separated. And yet those same people, when they're talking about the borders, Jesus would be for open borders. No, he wouldn't. I don't know what Bible you're reading. The Bible says quite a bit about countries and borders and protection. Sure. Jesus, but see how convenient it is to bring in Jesus when they think, erroneously think, if it's their cause, but you talk about something like, I talked to an atheist one time, he says, my problem with Christians is they don't accept separation between church and state, they get involved with politics. I say, oh, 
So you must have had a real problem with Martin Luther King and the March on Washington in the 60s, led by the Reverend Martin Luther King. Goes, oh, that was different. Yeah. I said, okay, so you don't have a problem with politics. You just have a problem with Christians being involved in politics that you yeah. disagree with. Selective. Selective, yes. cherry-picking <clears throat> politics. My listening friend, I want to consolidate some of the things that we said now and bring it right down to you and your life and, and uh, Bob and I and our lives as well. And it goes to what I said before. We are ultimately responsible for our beliefs before God. And when you dig into Scripture, instead of just cherry-picking a Scripture, you know, sometimes if we believe, if we want to have wealth, we can use a lot of Scripture to say God means me to have wealth. And, but if you misapply that and you want the wealth and you're going to use it inappropriately, then it's a totally different story. You, can't, you have to take the volume of the book. In the volume of the book, Jesus said, it is written of me. In order for you to fully understand Jesus, you have to embrace the volume of the book. And my friend, when you start nitpicking things to favor you and favor your political side and things like that, danger, danger, Will Robinson. Absolutely. I'm glad you're a Lost in Space fan because I was <laughs> Yes, indeed. You know, we're, we, we could be lost in time here if I'm not careful because we always have to be aware of the clock in the studio here for commercial breaks and so forth. So we have ta-dum, come to one of those, but I think we've opened a nice little can of worms and we're going to be doing some fishing. We're going to be grabbing those worms and uh, seeing what kind of fish we can catch uh, as we talk about not only the, poli- the politics and things like that, but we're going to get into other things as well, like the subtleties of the enemy's deception that leads to sin that led to the original sin. We'll talk about all those things as much as we have time left in the remainder of this hour when Bob Siegel and I come right back. <laughs> this is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show with Cass Taylor. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Well, yep. You realize that every once in a while, Kaz has to quote scripture. I'm sorry, that's just who I am. But I have a guy here that does the same thing. In fact, I was going to tell I was telling him about the, how I was going to intro this segment, and he had some interesting things to say. He actually showed me, told me the address where this is. But you, you know, there's there's a phrase that's being bantered about, and it's a valid phrase. And your pastor may say this, or you may s- discover it and say it as well. And it's appropriate. It says, "Woe unto them who call evil good and good evil." And Bob says, "I know that. That's." Well, that's actually the opening in my book, The Holocaust Against Israel. I actually have that verse at the beginning. Yes. And I don't uh, that that's much more about current events than the Bible, that book. But I still started with that because it's such an important verse. Isaiah chapter five. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And it is an important verse. It was important when, you know, sin entered the world and uh, Satan used that uh, strategy to uh, put us out of the Garden of Eden because of our willingness to hear a lie and embrace it more than the truth. But that is still the same thing that's going on today in a little bit more sophisticated way, perhaps. But the truth of the matter is, this is what the enemy is using to make you think that you're being righteous and holy, saying those things which are evil and calling them good. It's it's a, it's a danger, a very big danger in today's society. And we're hearing, you know, there's an impeachment issue 
happening and it's probably going to continue to happen uh, through Trump's entire uh, times in office. Oh, the minute they exonerate him next week, they'll start new impeachment papers. You just watch. You but just watch. This is a classic reference to the scripture in Isaiah calling evil good and good evil. It's flip flopping the things. So, you know, it is also goes back to what we talked about in the earlier parts of the show is the way that you title things is is the way that you can influence people to make wrong decisions. Well, yeah, look at the example. We have Adam Schiff go into the Senate chamber, this bold-faced liar, My. and he looks them in the eye shamelessly with a straight face, and he says, this is not a trial without witnesses. In other words, you need to bring in the witnesses that we want. He doesn't mean bring in any of the witnesses of Trump. And in the House, during the impeachment hearings, none of the witnesses Trump wanted to call were allowed. None of the witnesses Schiff brought in were interrogated, at least not by Trump's legal team. And then the, the mainstream media will take that narrative and the way this will get written now, because they know they don't have a chance of removing Trump. The way it'll get written is it was an unfair trial because we weren't allowed to bring witnesses. The words of Isaiah, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Yes, yes, yes. And, you know, this is an entire additional topic about what's going on in impeachment. And we said we were talking about it during the, the break. When you do this, then, you know, you're kind of stuck in your lie. And you can either repent and say, you know, I was wrong and I repent from this. Or you can you dig in and you, double you, down. You double down. Yeah. And we're seeing double down. Oh, Double down on steroids, we're seeing. <laughs> so well, let's talk about this as it relates to, you know, this isn't something that we've just created in the 21st century. This is something that's been going on since, uh, I would say, the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden, perpetrated by the master of uh, falsities, Satan himself, calling that which is evil good and good evil. Did God really say, don't eat, uh, don't touch or eat Take, of the Once fruit? again, taking God's word out of context. <clears throat> out of context. The context. only command they had was that one, and Satan took it out of context. He did, indeed. And so the danger, my friend, and uh, it hurts my heart to see what's going on in the United States. I love America. I know Bob loves America, too. But to see this thing and the, the, the traction that they're getting with some people. Of course, one thing that's happening, I think, Bob, is some people, it's becoming a major positive traction for them. But the majority of people, they go, in my heart of hearts, that doesn't sound right. So what I think they're planning to do is use evil for, for, for their own purposes. But I think the tables are being turned. And it's time for God to say, oh, yeah, well, let me show you what truth is. And look out world. And, and people need to learn to speak out because it's like the emperor's new clothes. We say that a, a little five-year-old boy thinks he's a girl. Well, then he's really a girl. Everybody knows that's nonsense. But nobody wants to say anything. Because they don't want to be politically incorrect. That's right. And see, that's a, that is another term that uh, people... People uh, have bantered about to give it a false meaning. You, you know, you don't want you don't want to be uh, inappropriate to people. And uh, a Judeo-Christian mentality does not do that. They don't. They're they're not improper, but they also have to make a stand for righteousness. Yeah, that's or, we get or they assume that the majority must be right. Throughout history, the majority's been wrong. More <laughs> there was a time when the majority believed in slavery until just a hundred years, a little more than a hundred years ago in our country. The majority of nations believed in slaves, and we did ourselves the first hundred years. So you want to go with the majority? You're on quicksand. My, my, my. You're in quicksand, and that's exactly right. You know, my listening friend, this is, you know, with with the, I like to say, the time of the end where the Lord's coming back is sooner than 
ever it's ever been before and I, I really seriously mean that i mean very soon so it's a time to really take account of our life our actions and have it's no longer a time to say i'll receive the lord later it's time to receive him now because the time for deception is expanding well whenever he comes there's a lot of debate about whether this sure. we're the last generation or not but my friends he's coming for you sometime in your lifetime mm. anyway because you don't know what day you're going to die so the time for you is short the time no, I, for all of us is short. That's right. But, but I, I think the issue is that we need to get right with God now. Yes. Yes, we certainly do. And so I'll tell you what, let's do this. We have about five minutes left, but I'm going to ask you right. Generally, we do it at the, you would do it at the close of a second. Okay. I'm going to have you do it right now. I'm going to ask you to, to say a very brief prayer for other people to pray along with you. And if they are wondering about things or they haven't really made that decision, I'm going to give you the honor of, uh, of okay. leading people just briefly here yeah, to just, a, I'll just, relationship. I'll just encourage you to do what I did. Let's say you're not sure about this. Just the Heavenly Father, if you do exist, if there really is a way that I can have a relationship with you, if you really did visit the world in 33 AD in an incarnation and came down as Jesus Christ, if you paid for my selfishness, on the cross, I pray that your spirit would come into my soul and that I would be able to have a relationship with you in which I know you, in which you run your thoughts through my mind. I pray that you would forgive my past. I want to dedicate my future to you. I know I can't do this on my own. I know the large part of me doesn't even want to do this, but I want to want to. I see my flaw and I reach out for you. Show me that you exist, and I promise to save. Now, my friends, you don't have to use those exact words, but if that expresses where your heart is, just use your own words. You don't have to have religious terminology. You don't have to say thee or thou or any of that proper stuff. Just put it in your own words. God knows your heart. Let me tell you something. If you were the only person in this world, Jesus would have come and died just for you. He was actually thinking about you on that cross. Can you imagine that? My our friend uh, Bob uh, Siegel with uh, the Bob Siegel Show. He's a man after God's own heart, and he just got done sharing part of God's heart with you, my listening friend. If you uh, have been passive about a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, it's time to cast that passivity aside and get serious about Him, because He was serious about you uh, even before you were born. He was going to. You need to know He was serious about you because He gave Himself on your behalf, so that now you have an opportunity to appropriate or accept what He's done for you and live a life that is pleasing to Him and a life that assures your eternity with Him. So, Bob and I, really, our heart's cry is in this show that it encourages you, if you did not know him, to know him, but if you've known him, to come closer to him, because there's a level of accountability like that we're going to be responsible for in these days more than ever before. And the enemy knows that his time is short, so he's going to throw those things that are evil, make them sound like good, and make those things that are good sound like evil to such a degree that if you're not into an intimate relationship with the creator and you're not reading his word, you're going to fall for it. And that troubles my heart, Bob. But uh, now is the time to get tight with the creator by accepting him as uh, Bob offered in his prayer, your declaration to you, and also to get into his word and get surrounded by others who believe similarly. Yeah. Human popularity and trends come and go, but the only thing that's rock solid is God. My, my. Yes, yes. So, you know, the the enemy knows that his time is short, 
And so I, it really troubles me when you, you can turn on TV, you can watch news shows and things like that. And if you have asked God to give you a discerning heart, you can pretty much pick it out. You can pick it out because a lot of times what a person says, there's flowery words, but understand the intent and the character of the person behind those words. And then you can get a pretty good idea about uh, where not to go. Yes. And it's an analogy that I like to use is you don't have to be a doctor to know what it's like if you're feeling sick. So (laughs) there's all kinds of perversions and sins. If you know the Bible, then and you know the truth, that you're going to smell a lie, even if you haven't studied a lot. My, my, my. That is so true. You know, it's remarkable. Let's, let me close. We've got about a minute left. I want you to tell us a website where people can find out more about you. Yes. Yeah, so my, uh, my website is bobsiegel.net, not .com, but bobsiegel.net, Bob Siegel, S-I-E-G-E-L. Actually, on Google, even if you spell it wrong, it's liable to come up. Yeah, but don't spell Bob with two O's. Right. He, he, he doesn't like <laughs> No, that. I don't like And don't confuse me for Robert Siegel on NPR. I guarantee anyone <laughs> listening to his show and mine would realize in a minute that there's a grand canyon <laughs> of difference between our viewpoints. So the website again? BobSiegel.net. Here you'll get information on my articles, lots of articles about the Bible and politics, um, information about my books. Back radio shows of the Bob Siegel Show, they're all there for download or streaming. I yeah. had a chance to get into the podcast area of your website, and what a remarkable array of topics. I yes. spent a lot of time yeah, looking we, into that. Again, we do the arts, we do the Bible, we do politics, we do all kinds of things. Hey, you mind if we switch gears for the next I, segment? I, let's we, go we, for we, it. We, we talked a lot about America. Now I'm going to pull back, let's, our focus has been on America, I'm going to pull back the, the uh, global camera, and we're going to see America, and we're going to see Israel side by side, and we're going to do some yes, comparisons. I think Israel about, is something we're both very passionate about. We are about. very passionate about it. But you understand, God's passionate about it, but all, not only that, he is many, in many ways, he's given the United States of America as, as a prototype for what's going on in Israel. We're going to pursue those things because the same uh, evil spirit that wants to discredit you know, yeah, Israel, Israel is like a little miniature United <laughs> States living right smack in the Middle East. <laughs> so we're going to talk more about that for the remaining uh, uh, half hour of the show. So Bob Siegel, buckle up, my friends. Bob Siegel, uh, a Jewish Christian, and Kaz Taylor, Gentile Christian. We're going to put it all together like this when we come right back. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. This is Rob Stark, pastor of Lampladder Revival Center. There is a time and a season we're entering right now where the new wine is being released and we all get to drink of it. Now, more of Come Together San Diego on K Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Hey there, my friends. Bob Siegel of the Bob Siegel Show on the sister station, The Answer San Diego and KPRZ, where we broadcast. Uh, we are, you know, we're adjoining together and getting, giving some insights. Uh, two different radio stations under the same general banner of the Salem Media Group, San Diego. But ironically, now we're going to pull back. Not only are we going to have the two radio stations, we're going to have two nations. <laughs> and we're going to talk a little bit about Israel, and we're going to talk about the United States, but we're going to be, we're going to be even more fine-tuned than that. We're going to talk about Jerusalem 
And San Diego, you know, uh, I understand that, there, you know, the longitude and latitude. The latitude for San Diego County and the, the uh, latitude for uh, Jerusalem is the same or similar latitude. I, to me, I mean... There's that, a, is, that is interesting. I had not heard that. There, yeah, there's a, there's a supernatural implication there. I know that there's a lot of people in San Diego, you among them, and I among them, that absolutely love Israel. And, I, and Israel and, and Jerusalem, they love us as well. Yes, I've, I've been to Israel twice, the first time as a tourist, the second time as a Bible teaching tour guide. And yes, yes. I just absolutely love it there. Yes, and I talk about the similarities oftentimes, and you know, the Islamic people, they say that uh, the United States is the big Satan. Yeah, and Israel's the little Satan. It's the little Satan, but you know, you can turn the tables and say, both of us are pursuing Judeo-Christian values and longing for an intimate relationship with the creator of the universe. That would be a, a more accurate statement, but... Guess what's going on uh, in the United States, and guess what's going on in Israel? A parallel track, and that's called elections. Yes, and what's interesting is they're trying to get Netanyahu out of power in Israel, just like they're trying to get Trump out of power here. And they're using the same tactics. They are, yeah, uh, which I believe is a lot of lies. Now, I don't, I haven't followed the Netanyahu as much, but I like the man. I heard him speak in person in one of my trips to Israel uh, when he was running for re-election back in 2008. And I'm inclined to believe that these corruption charges are made up just like the ones against Trump. Well, the, you know, the danger about, about uh, these charges is there's just enough truth to hang, to hang your, you know, hang your, your doctrine on, if you will. But like, for example, in Netanyahu's case, there's, I think there's three different articles that they're trying to get him out on. And one of them is this, when he, they had visitors to Israel and they uh, brought items uh, for the na- nation of Israel, let's say they had there were containers or crates that they these items were in. The crates were were you know dispelled and the contents were dispersed appropriately. But the crates were used by Netanyahu and his wife, for example, to recycle. And I mean, it's, it, it, that may not be exactly it, but that's the level. And they're saying you've mi- abused. Uh, See, that's what Jesus privilege. would call straining out the net and swallowing a camel. <laughs> so, I mean, they're fabricated just like, you know, saying that Trump uh, has impeachable offenses. It's yeah. just, uh, there, there's just so that's much. We're going to hear that he's still a kid's sandwich in the playground when he was 10 <laughs> years old. They want to impeach him for no, that. Exactly. And so this, see, the enemy uses these kind of things to thwart Judeo-Christian values. And, you know, the uh, Islam- Islamic mentality is uh, Israel is a little Satan and the United States is the big Satan. And everything that goes on here is stilted. Look at what's going on in uh, politics in America. Look at the group that is in, in favor of and pro-Israel. And look at the group that is anti-Israel and has and, and you know what's so interesting, Kaz? The left keeps keeps accusing Trump of being an anti-Semite. Putting aside the fact that his own son-in-law is Jewish, we have never had a more pro-Israel president than Trump. He went ahead and moved our embassy to Jerusalem rather than Tel Aviv, something other presidents promised would. And they call him an anti-Semite. As somebody who is himself Jewish, It's it would be a joke if it wasn't so sad. Yes. And one of the things, our danger, and I have to, we, we fall prey to this, I have to admit myself, is you, we put so much value in the 
austerity and the truthfulness of media. You know, the, the media's ch- ch- job is to bring uh, to our attention maladies in government, for example. But when you're your plan is to overthrow a government or a people or a people group, you can use media for the detriment of people rather than... Yeah, and if it weren't for talk radio, the internet, and Fox News, we we wouldn't be getting the truth at all. That's right. It we, used to, there was a time when the three major networks, ABC, NBC, CBS, and I guess uh, the fourth, PBS, they were disseminating all of the news for sure. us. That's why I'm really honored to be part of the Salem media group in San Diego and beyond. I mean, at least, you know, yes. this is one place you've talked, talking about Fox News and that, things like that. Well, on Fox, you, can, you have left well. this on Fox too, but at least you hear both sides on yes. Fox. You don't hear both sides on yes. the other stations. I love our hosts on uh, on The Answer, and I love the hosts on uh, KPRZ and, and, and the other Salem media group stations because they're, they're you know, Larry Elder and, and you know, Dennis Prager, Dennis Prager, yeah. all, all those guys. They're they're speaking it like it is. They certainly are, and of course they're willing to take the heat for it because you know there's not that many there aren't that many voices out there. Limbaugh, and Pr- other things. Prager got accused of being a Nazi. The guy's <laughs> a conservative Jew, and they accuse him of being a Nazi. Uh, a Nazi, a racist. That's just anybody who wins an argument with a liberal. Why, my, my. So where do we go from here? I mean, we're in kind of a, a malady or a challenge right now politically. Would you say uh, embracing Judeo-Christian values is a value, but the, but you can't be silent. You have we, to be We are vocal. at a time where uh, if we don't win this next election, I think we're going to have a civil war. And let me be clear. I'm not calling for a civil war. I'm not a violent person. I don't own a gun. But I believe we will have a civil war. Because um, there is just, you know, it always sounds good to say, well, I'm a moderate. I, I believe both. Mo- moderates don't exist anymore. If, the, if conservatives stay where they are and the left moves progressively left, the only way a so-called moderate can keep staying exactly in between them is to keep moving leftward himself. Uh-huh. So maybe he hasn't fallen off the cliff yet. But these days, a moderate is pro-choice. These days, a moderate believes in same-sex marriage. These days, a moderate believes in open borders. The, the whole, we, we don't really have moderates anymore. And so it's gotten to the point where we're always hearing that we should reach across the aisle. We should work together. That's fine if you're trying to decide where to put the next post yeah. office. Uh-huh. On an issue like abortion, you can't compromise that any more than we could have compromised slavery. There's no aisle anymore. It's That's a right. war zone. It's, yeah, literally. Uh, good way to is. put it. You know, it, one of the things that hurts my heart is it, back, you know, a few decades ago, you actually literally had a blue-collar Democrats. And, and, you know, they were in the heartland. Yeah, conservative Democrats. Conservative Democrats. There's no such animal these days. But here's what hurts my heart. There are people that are blue-collar Democrats, but they have no home. There's no place for them to go. And a lot, something like, I heard something like uh, close to 25% of the people in New Jersey that went to that big Trump rally Mm -hmm. were were, Democrats. Yes. And that's not even counting all the independents. I heard that too. And you're not going to hear that on the main news network. No, of course not. And here's the but deal. Joe Biden did well too. He had about yes. a 250 at his last rally. So we got, <laughs> go get him, Joe! Go so, get him, Joe! Beat him with a drum. So you're subtracting a few extra zeros. Yeah, yeah. Good old Joe. Take. He's doing well too. Great oh, momentum. Man. Fine momentum. Well, we're coming up against some very important things here, and it's really important for us to make a stand. And that's why I, I don't like to so much hang an R or a D, a Democrat or Republican, on this. It's basically people who have a heart for Judeo-Christian values and fair and true fairness, not 
you know, uh, manufactured fairness. I agree. If Republicans did all the things they said they would do, I would have less trouble calling myself Republicans. Yeah. Since a lot of them don't, I'm more comfortable just calling myself an independent right now. But that is not an excuse for you or others not to vote. Oh, no. And I always vote. I always vote Republican because it's, it's you know, people always say, well, like, okay, now I mentioned that I'm a big Trump fan now. I wasn't when he was running. I still voted for him. I went on the air and I said, look, Trump is a roll of the dice. This guy could do anything. Hillary is not a roll, a roll of, of the dice. We know exactly what we show. People are going, well, I, I as a Christian, I don't vote for the lesser of two evils. I say, really? Well, the alternative is the greater of two evils. So oh, what that, are you, that's exactly now, right. Trump very pleasantly surprised me. But even when I didn't think he was going to do all these good things, there was no way on earth I was going to vote for Hillary. And But the other side of the equation that you brought up, too, and that is it's not appropriate for you not to vote at all. What you're doing then is you're acquiescing to the worst of the worst. Well, I'll, I'll only add one wrinkle to that. There are people that are so uninformed that I, I wish they wouldn't vote. I'm not a big believer and get out the vote if you're uninformed. When I hear people talking and I can tell they don't know what they're talking about, I hope they don't find their way to the polls. Well, but an informed person absolutely should vote. Well, but if they're uninformed, at least you got a 50%. <laughs> a, well, but, you, you know, you have to step back. Let's say I'm not that informed, but I, I can take a look at America. And I can see what's going on, and I can see what in my oh, yeah. my morality and my heart. I go, here's what I like, and here's what I don't like. I would call that being informed. Okay, yeah, yeah. I think we're valid. saying the same thing. Uh, yeah. I think we are saying the same thing. And here's what I think is going to happen. Really, a lot in in this next election, I think the liberals are overplaying the hand. I think they're going to come to a re- so. a revelation too late. I think they're going to lose the House, the Senate. I hope oh, they lose I, state legislation. I, hope. I don't know how much hope we have in California, but I'm, <laughs> I'm very hopeful for the country at large. Well, I have a great deal of confidence in the the rural Americans. I have a great deal of, of confidence and hope in, in people who have some level of moral fiber because if you do the if you weigh one and the other uh, of different uh, platforms and things like that this morality versus immorality regardless of the words and titles you're going to have a pretty good chance well, of coming yeah and it's right funny decision. you mentioned rural americans because the people that are pushing for the electoral college to be abolished yes that's their way of bypassing the rural America. If we went by an all-popular vote, most of the populations in New York East City, West, Chicago, and, and, and Los Texas, Angeles. Yeah. So you could skip over all those places. That's why our forefathers didn't want the country run by a mob. We're supposed to be a collection of individual sovereign states that get together. And that's why – also, and I just got to say this, when I hear this nonsense about how Hillary won the popular vote – I said this on my own show last week. Let me say it again. She did not win the popular vote because we weren't taking a popular vote. <laughs> we were taking an electoral college vote. And yes. if it had been a popular vote, people would have voted differently. For instance, I knew a lot of Californians who, unlike me, voting for the lesser of two evils, said, well, Trump's not going to win California anyway. I could never vote for Hillary. But Trump's not going to win California anyway, so it doesn't matter. Oh. I'll stay home. How many people in Texas, on the other hand, said Trump will win Texas by a landslide, so if I stay home, it won't matter. But if we were taking a popular vote, it would have been different. I'm not saying Trump would have won. I'm saying we don't know. We didn't take a popular vote. What we call the popular vote is a shadow, a debris, if you will, of what had been an electoral college vote. Yes, Bob Siegel, I, he's getting fired up, and so we're going to continue. I'm going to stoke the fire when we go to a commercial break, and so and then we'll talk more about this and bring everything to a close when Bob Siegel and Kaz come right back. More. 
Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor is next. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. I am with Bob Siegel of the Bob Siegel Show, uh, The Answer San Diego, which is our sister station at KPRZ here. And uh, we've been talking about stuff, haven't we, Bob? It's been a blast, Kaz. <laughs> but I think, you know, as I looked back at what we've done so far within the earlier part of this two-hour broadcast, we've talked about one world government. We've talked about uh, being fit for the kingdom versus counterfeit. We've talked about the value or danger in naming something because a lot of time people that have ulterior motives will name something very flowery and cause you to be deceived into those things. Uh, so we talked a lot about those things. I think it's time right now to say, you know, if you just t- took the content of the earlier part of the show, you go, oh, where do we go from here? We're going to spend this abbreviated segment to talk a little bit about where you can go from here because, you know, the truth of the matter is not only is there hope, but there's great hope. And not only that, but you were built for such a time as this. Bob? Yes, well, the good news, we don't know when it will be, but Christ will return. There's a lot of events that the Bible says that are still going to happen in Israel. We've referred to a few of them. Um, there, there are going to be some things like one world government and, and stuff first. But but even before that, you can have a personal relationship with Christ right now. We alluded to that earlier. But being a Christian is not just going to church. You can actually have a relationship with God in which his spirit will come and live inside of you and not only forgive your sins, but help you to live a better life. And that's something that nobody can take away from you. Governments come and governments go. Laws change. They're very fluid. That's something rock solid that can never be taken away from you. And Bob, one of the things that I want to encourage our listeners, and it's, you know, we want you saved and have an intimate relationship with the Lord, but the story doesn't end there. In fact, that's the beginning of the story. He, God wants us to put, let me use the analogy, God wants us to put shoes on our faith. In other words, what he wants us to to do is not only take the grace that God has given us, but distill that faith and be able to communicate that with other people because now you are a receiver of the faith in God and his mercy and his love. Now he wants you to disseminate that to other people. So, you know, you, you know, it's not just you receiving the Lord end of the story. It's you receiving the Lord, having a relationship now sharing that the wonders of that relationship with other people and then look out world. Yeah. And that's why Jesus commanded his disciples to go out into all the world after he rose from the dead, three days in the grave and he rose from the dead, the resurrected Jesus told his disciples, go to all nations, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And let me use the analogy that you talked about. The resurrected Savior uh, instructed us to go out. But here's the thing that we we must do as well. When we accept Jesus, the dead person that we are becomes resurrected again in the same way that Jesus singularly was resurrected. And then he had uh, his disciples do his thing. We are dead in our own sins we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we get resurrected and we have to proclaim the same resurrected truths that Jesus proclaimed to bring us to where we are. Yes, and it's literal. When we get to heaven, we're going to be literally resurrected body, soul, and spirit. But in the meantime, God resurrects a part of us now. It's like when you buy a car. The car may cost a certain price, but you give a down payment. We're told that the Holy Spirit is a down payment for a future resurrection and with the spirit and with our own human spirit that is resurrected back to life 
we have a new nature. Unfortunately, we have the old sinful nature there too. But there's this hope that ties into the future when the sin nature will finally be obliterated once and for all, and we will live as resurrected beings in heaven. But we don't want to leave it there. The point of the matter is, too, that God, from the, as soon as Adam fell, Adam and Eve fell, his whole heart cry was to, to redeem mankind unto him. And one of the tasks that we have is to carry that same mantle ourselves, to be responsible, to hear our Savior who lives within us and be helpful in redeeming others to him, you know, and it's not that tough. You know, people go, I don't want to evangelize or I don't have the, the fivefold ministry gifts or things like that. You are whom God has called you to be. Move in that, but also be willing to share nuances that nobody else can share yeah, that you can share. Yeah, and something I learned the hard way, because when I first became a Christian, I was so excited. I wanted to tell everybody, <laughs> you're not commanded to shove it down the throat of people who aren't interested. I don't remember. There's not but, a scripture right. about that, and, is and, there? And, and Jesus didn't do that. When people left him, he just turned to his disciples and said, you want to leave too? Uh, the way I heard somebody put it beautifully once, he says, we're here to feed the hungry. We're not here to make people hungry who aren't hungry. My so my there my. are people out there that are interested in becoming Christians far more than you realize. And they're the ones that you talk to. Don't worry about uh, talking to somebody who doesn't want to get into it with you. They'll, they'll have a day when they are interested. If today is not that day, move on and talk to somebody else. And Bob, one of the things that helped me, uh, I went did trial duty and I... Uh, oh, was, yeah, you were on jury duty this uh, week. A jury duty. But I was trying to catch uh, a... A, uh, a rail from the Qualcomm Stadium, what do you call it, the trolley. And I'm, I, I'm standing there uh, praying about something, and the trolley comes, and I, I, I'm i standing right in front of it, and I miss the thing. And I go, God, why did you make me miss the thing? And I, so I had to wait for the next trolley. God gave me two appointments with people on the, on the next trolley oh, that if I, had, if I had caught the right trolley, I would never have had a chance to share this truth with two remarkable people. And here's the thing I want to share with you, my friend. All things work together for good yes. for those who love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. But the reason that they work together for good is not only for your benefit, but for the benefit of others who come into contact with you. So I realized that God gave me an opportunity to share just, I didn't have to, you know, I say, I didn't have to say, now get down on your knees and receive Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior. My job was just to show forth through my life and lifestyle and any words of encouragement to take them to another level so that maybe somebody else will close the deal on, on these people. It's not up to you to bring them to salvation. It's up to you to show forth the character of God in your life, your lifestyle, and your words. Yeah. Got a minute left. Often things do not go the way we want, but God knows what he has you here for. Ooh. Bob Siegel, what a great time has been sharing uh, with you and with our audience as you, with you as my co-host and partner in this. Uh, your website, one more time. Uh, BobSiegel.net. And Kaz, it was an honor, and I hope you'll honor my program soon and come uh, on uh, as a uh, guest on my show. I appreciate that. My listening friend, I hope you can tell from the, the heart cry of Bob and my heart cry, our heart is to not only have an intimate relationship with the Lord, but to spill it every place that we go. Oop, I spilled on you a little bit of the love of the Lord. And you can do the same. In fact, God wants you to do that. There are a lot of things that are going on uh, that could be dangerous to your eternal health, but the solution is intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Bob Siegel, thanks for joining me and the Siegel, uh, Bob Siegel show on The Answer San Diego and Kaz with Come Together San Diego. What a joy Bob and I had sharing the gospel with you, sharing God's truths and Bob's going to go back and continue his show, and we will continue our show next week. So Bob and I say, 
Goodbye. I'll see you later. God. Thanks for joining Kaz Taylor and his many friends, including you, for Come Together San Diego. Join us again next week as we explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within this county and beyond on Come Together San Diego. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a co-worker, and then let's all come together San Diego next Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise.